All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Wine Life Podcast. I am joined by somebody I am super excited to talk to. That is the drumming legend himself, Mr. Dale Crover. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Dale. Thanks for having me. Calling all the way from Los Angeles, California. How is uh, right. how's the family and everybody doing with uh, as we're getting out of COVID slowly but surely? Yeah, um, yeah I guess as good as can be expected. Uh uh, it's a little weird. I have, I have kids, and they're you know doing the online school thing. Yeah, and, and um, you know they probably like it, but at the same time, it's just it's kind of annoying. Just some of the classes are hard to get on for them and stuff like that. I, it's, it's it's flawed, you know. Yeah. But I mean, it's a new thing. In, but, the, uh, you know. in the beginning, I I bet like as a kid in school, it kind of just seemed like a divine intervention. It's like the longest snow day you could possibly have, and then as it gets longer, it's like. Okay, I kind of miss like seeing a living, breathing human being once in a while. <laughs> There's that, but then just yesterday I was telling my daughter, like, you know, I bet you probably won't be going back to school for the rest of the year, and I heard, yeah. heard her kind of go, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> I would have been just fine with it, I'm sure. Oh, was. yeah, for sure, me too. Uh, so... One one thing I want to talk to you about is uh, obviously congratulations on uh, the sophomore release, solar release for you, Rat a Tat Tat. So yeah, that you. was on January fifteenth, and also secondly, we already talked about it a little bit before, but congrats on the World Series victory. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yeah. Finally, the Dodgers win. The the one the one good thing about twenty twenty, though, uh, I was saying that uh, my friends up north are. Or of course, uh, you know, saying, "Well, yeah, it's going to be an asterisk by their their title." It's like, no. If anything, I, <laughs> I don't f- care. I feel like <laughs> if you win it during this time, it's more it's more of a testament to because like everything's on an equal playing field. So that's like with the yeah. NBA and the World Series is in a bubble too. You're out of a home field environment. If anything, I think it's a more legitimate World Series. Yeah, that's right. They did. They they. Played at, uh, uh, at Dodger Stadium Southwest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, as I call it now. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, you could tell those guys were all serious about it, and it was probably a really hard thing. And then, and then, you know, the fact that it got done. Yeah, the series itself, because you know, COVID was was uh, all of a sudden invading. Yeah, uh, the teams. So uh, I think if they hadn't won that last game. They probably they might have even canceled the next one because Justin Turner, uh, third baseman for the Dodgers, contacted COVID oh, during that, the game. That was a shame. Him. I felt so bad for him. <laughs> yeah, but then I mean they never said anything like no. That I mean he, you know didn't even seem like he had symptoms or anything like that. I didn't hear of any of the other teammates having it. Yeah, baseball is really enough, lu- maybe they just kept it quiet. They're really lucky. I feel like that they. Uh, that they won that game, like you said, because if he would have been out there and they did the contract tracing stuff, like there was no way they could have been able to pull off a game that quickly after that. No, it would have been postponed. Just for optics alone, I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, baseball had to go through it. Obviously, you've had to go through it now. I don't think anybody planned on being in a situation like this for this long. No, Um, definitely not. I didn't think it would be this long. So, obviously. It's been almost a year now. Yeah, it's. I can't believe it's. We're going to be at ten months, almost eleven months, and then right before we know, it, it's going to be March, and it's going to be a year. Yeah, last time we played a show was in like right, almost towards the end of February. Jesus, that's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> so I bet yeah. you're itching to go back out and play as soon as possible. It'd be nice. You know? <laughs> um, 
I mean, I'm out of work like everybody else, basically. Yeah, pretty much. What? So, I mean, you're in a very uh, different circumstance than most people because you released an album during COVID. So, obviously, yeah. you've released quite a bit. What What was the biggest parallels between this and the opposites and what you've worked through? Uh, you know, well, I mean, I didn't plan on... Um, I would have held on to this and waited to release it, but you know the label was was uh, they didn't want to sit on it for that long. Um, you know this was done. This record was done pretty much before COVID, uh, except for I didn't have it mastered. Um, but uh, you know my the my year would have been pretty busy. Yeah, I uh, bet. <laughs> I was hoping for it to be anyway. Um, Red Cross was going to do a bunch of stuff. We were going to go to Europe, oh. do a tour there, and then come back to. Uh, uh, U.S. and do a tour, and then this record was going to come out. The Ratatat Tat record was going to come out in the summer, I think, probably late summer, and then we were going to try to do some kind of tour in the fall. Gotcha. So, uh, well, that all uh, obviously went down the tubes, and um, uh, you know, kind of sat around for a while, and um, but then um, did a bunch of recording with uh, Melvins. Well, we're, you know, after, after a while, we all got together and uh, and decided that we should do something. So we've been working in the studio. There's stuff coming, um, but uh, in the meantime, yeah, there's this record that just came out. It's it's doing okay. I actually, I'm on the charts. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know it really. You know, talking to the label, it's like we're all excited, but at the same time, we're like, well, we we know it doesn't really mean much anymore <laughs> I mean, you know um it, i mean it I does mean, it's fine but it's not like I, I sold like it didn't you know didn't ship a couple million <laughs> yeah or anything like that so, uh, um and i just missed the top 100 on billboard 101 them bastards <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know but whatever but yeah, i mean it's mostly just a big brag <laughs> hey, that's it looks not cool bad. on paper <laughs> so uh that's good because i mean Obviously, the Melvins are what, obviously, are your bread and butter. So that's good. At least you were able to find time to get back in the studio and work on some stuff with them, too. Yeah, yeah. And then also, uh, um, there's the Melvins TV thing that we've been working on. Oh, okay. Uh, I haven't heard about that. What is that? Yeah, we had the the first episode came out on on New Year's Eve. And, um, you know, it's different from other live streams. Um, it's, It's us playing five songs for five bucks. Fugazi prices, hey. you know, and then there's there's interviews and uh, other goofy stuff. You know, it's kind of like a um, uh, music Laden meets the monkeys. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, uh, and and um, and so we're hoping to do multiple episodes, at least for now, since we can't do any kind of touring. Yeah, uh, there's a new one coming out on February fifteenth or fourteenth, Valentine's Day, um, and that one. And oh, there's also opening bands. Oh, okay. So, so the the uh, volume two coming up is going to have uh, my band opening. Hey, look at you! You yeah. did double the work. <laughs> yeah, of course I know. So well, we always try to keep it in the family, even when we're touring. You well, know, it's uh, mostly bands we pick are like you know good friends or or or. Uh, of course. Uh, uh, well, I mean, the last tour that we did, uh, last big tour that we did was. Uh, uh, Melvin's Red Cross and Toshi Kasai. So it's like, and, and Toshi, Toshi's our engineer. Um, oh, that's great that you're able to give them a platform too, give them a chance. It's just easy. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it easy. It easy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, at least you're honest about it. Well, I mean, with Red Cross, both Steve McDonald and I 
play in the band. So yeah, that too. Play Melbourne. So yep. <laughs> all yeah. we have to do is bring two extra guys for that. Yeah, that does make the logistics a little bit more bearable, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just makes sense. So is there anything uh, that you kind of were in terms of the creative process? Uh, don't worry. My dog's about to do probably the same thing. I've had to like sequester her into the house so she doesn't bark and go crazy. Cause anything that passes by, she goes crazy. <laughs> he, th- he thinks he wants to go outside, but once he goes out there, he's going to look and go, let me back in. <laughs> well, tell him to come he, here because it looks like, nice, but, it, but it, he's going to, it's like 25 degrees here. So I bet you it's uh, it's a lot worse. <laughs> Oh, it's the cold 50s, I think, here. Oh, cold 50s. I would do anything for that right now. Yeah, I know. I, 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 uh, I always feel uh, bad telling people what the weather's like here because I know it's much worse than you know, <laughs> things like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know. I've got to wear a coat going golfing. Oh, what a, what a pity. I pity you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, it's all good. So, uh, so pretty much what I, really what I want to ask is, I mean, you've been doing this a very long time. Um, obviously you're, you're an inspiration to a lot of people and I, and I, I bet you understand that pretty well at this point when you're writing a solo album, as opposed to working with something like the Melvins and you kind of have that creative autonomy, autonomy to go where you want specifically, uh, between the first record and this record, is there any kind of specific message you were trying to get or any specific philosophy in the songwriting or were you just kind of letting it ride and just whatever came? Yeah, that exactly. You know, um, you know, if if I play something and I and I keep playing it and like it, then I'll, I'll turn it into something. You know, even if it's something like, okay, one second, I'm gonna let this this guy out. All good. Even if it's something like shark like overbite, which is it's about a dog. Believe oh, that's actually one of my favorite songs from that record oh. too. So that's kind of funny you brought that up. <laughs> right on. So there he goes outside. Okay, you gonna want to stay outside? Okay. <laughs> we'll see. He'll be locked back in in just a second. It's all good. But, uh, uh, you know, that one, that one, it was, it was just like, you know, kind of a jangly, wimpy sounding, um, um, I don't know, like, 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 uh, just poppy, almost like, um, the, the replacements or something. You know? Gotcha. But I kept playing it and liked it enough, and I'm like, okay. I'm hey, if you like it enough, that's usually that's usually a good indicator that it might be an okay rock, uh, song to put on the record. So, right, I, you know, there's even a couple of the songs where you know I couldn't tell you how long I had parts of it. You know, yeah. there's one that I know for sure I've had since probably early '90s. You know, <laughs> that finally made it to something. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know why. I just thought it would uh, finally it finally found a place. Yeah, or I finally came back to it. There's lots of stuff like that where it's like, you know, I mean, even still, I know I have uh, a, a back catalog of riffs I put on tape or whatever that if I go back and find something, I'll go, oh, yeah, I, I like that. And I can turn it into something. You know? I, I think most people, most songwriters do that kind of thing. I was going to say, know? I think that's the trial and tribulation of most musicians that have any type of recording software is it's just a backlog of stuff that they've never gotten to that sounds okay, but it needs a little bit of work. But right. This but is sometimes I'll just be playing guitar yep. and stumble on something and I'm like, oh, I got to go in five minutes. I'm going to just record this thing really quick. And then voice memos are the it. greatest thing that was ever invented next to next to GPS and Uber. <laughs> yeah. Is what? Say it again. Next to GPS and Uber voice memos are like the greatest thing ever invented. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Yeah. Because I could be anywhere and, 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 and record something. Yeah. So, does, so that's that's. 
when you're when you're songwriting, does it does music usually come to you as in the forms of percussion, or does it usually come to you first through uh, like a guitar? Well, depending on what kind of song. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the guitar songs, yeah. Um, yeah. But like the weird drum pieces, those the drum things that we did that are on the record, you know, I pretty much came up with uh, in the studio mm-hmm. and just would come up with something that, that I liked and recorded it right there. That's pretty you awesome. Know. Yeah, force myself to do something, <laughs> and then well, and then also having Toshi there because because what we'll do with those pieces is I'm like, look, we'll we'll mess around with with uh, I mean he's got this giant rack of of uh, stomp boxes and effects oh. all all ready to go, all, you know, all ready to be wired in. It's a playground. So, yeah, exactly, and all kinds of stuff, you know, yeah. like 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 hundreds of different boxes and, and synths and things like that that you can patch in and yeah. And, uh, uh, damn dog, <laughs> <laughs> get out! You weren't kidding. Yeah, no, I mean now he's barking at something or somebody. Come on, shut up. So, like you, so, like you said, so, uh, with those, what I was saying is, yeah, yeah. With those, we'll just mess around until we get something that we like. And like. That sounds cool. Okay, let me come up with something, and I'll, and I'll do it and record it right there in the spot. Yeah, I, I think that's it's super refreshing to hear that from like a, a person like yourself that's been in the industry for such a long time. Because now, I the perspective I have is that there's a lot of people that want to get in the music industry and are intimidated by it when you see like these 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 super shredders on YouTube that sit behind a computer all day and they're just practicing with a metronome and they're just going wild. And that's like, that's a very intimidating thing if you're trying to learn an instrument. Right. And, yeah. And, right. Cause they're just showing off. Yeah. And there's lots of drum clips like that where oh, it's like, yeah. wow, you're a really good, amazing drummer can do yeah. all these tricks. Yeah. And but really, to, really to hear a person like yourself to say that you just go with what works and it's not really about the theory and it's not about, really with a certain idea going into it you just go with the vibe like that's that's still such a very yeah. old school thing and i right. think it's I'm almost not, becoming I'm not, taboo <laughs> i'm not some shredder on guitar yep. you know i'm not even really a shredder on drums <laughs> you know but i can you know i, I can I, I i can uh um it's it's attitude you know? it is Definitely. attitude yeah i and like for for a person like me too I, I don't know if you're the same way like that doesn't really that really doesn't click it for me. Like I could, I don't really watch that and like, it's impressive, but it's just, it's like at the end of the day, what really is the payoff of that? Right. Cause you want right. to be listenable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I still like watching that kind of stuff though. You know? Yeah. It's like, cause I'll never get there. <laughs> but. Yeah. I mean, with drum stuff, I watch a lot of, you know, I would watch a lot of people doing stuff and, and um, you know, just yeah. try to learn something. I still feel like I can learn a thing or two. So, you know, or even whatever guitar stuff, even learning songs. If I want to learn some cover song or whatever, I'll, I'll just look on. If I can't figure it out myself, I'll look on YouTube to see how they do it. Yeah. Then I'll realize, okay, they're doing this right and this right, but that part's wrong, and I got what they're doing. Yeah. I know how to do it right. <laughs> yeah, because uh, ultimate guitar doesn't pay the bill sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, pretty much where I want to go next and kind of segue into it is just kind of the things I found fascinating about about you and reading up on you is that um, I really got introduced to who you were and who the Melvins were uh, from my fandom of Tool and Adam Jones. Oh, right on. And I kind of went down that rabbit hole because I saw that he would always kind of uh, plug you guys and showed the inspiration for his stuff comes a lot from the Melvins. Um, yeah. Have you, ever, you, have you ever been able to work with him at all in any 
Oh yeah, I mean, uh, he's he's even um, toured with the Melvins playing second guitar. I thought I saw that. <laughs> yeah, and that was a while ago, but and that was just like a short tour, but that was really fun. Yeah, uh, and and well, you know, I'm, we, yeah, we've known Adam for a, a long time now. Uh, we toured with Tool. I think the first time we toured with them was on Ozfest. Or at least it was at least one of the first times. Yeah, and that that would have been back in 1998. Okay, and, and um, yeah, you know, we, we talked before about the possibility of 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 uh, playing music, doing something, but just hasn't 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 happened. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but but fine. But then he's you know, I know he's he's been on he's done recordings with us and. Um, oh, he was, I know, he was, he did a bunch of stuff on some of that uh, 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 Jell-O from Melvin stuff mm-hmm. that we did, you know, and that was, um, that was really cool. How did you become affiliated with him? Um, I think they asked us to tour with him. And it just yeah. kind of sprung from there. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to think. I, I think we played it, I know we played a show with them. I can't remember, like, the first time we played a show with them was at... The Palladium here in Los Angeles, and we were both opening for somebody, and I can't remember who the hell it is. It might have been Guar, but but that doesn't sound right to me for <laughs> some reason. Uh, and they had just been signed, and I don't think even had their first video out yet. And Adam claims that that I had snubbed him, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> "What, really? You think you know? Like like back then, he, he claims that some like I was like he that he said hi to me, and I just like didn't say anything. I'm like. Well, it doesn't really sound like me. Uh, maybe I didn't hear you. I, I don't have the best hearing even back then. But, <laughs> yeah. But, but um, I was surprised that he said that. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, I'm usually nice to everybody. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just found that very interesting. And then uh, obviously when I had the t- opportunity to talk to you, I was like, oh, that's like really funny and like serendipitous because I was just kind of like getting in that rabbit hole stuff. Right, um, yeah, yeah. So that was... I was like right before, I would say right before the pandemic is really where I started to like pin the connection together. But oh, right on, yeah. Nevertheless, yeah. those I guys mean, I think were touring when that happened. They were. I, yeah. I I saw them when they came to Atlantic City because I'm in New Jersey. So, oh yeah, okay. So right before the pandemic hit, I was able to at least catch them. Um, and unfortunately, not soon thereafter is when uh when pretty much the whole industry came to a, a halting screech. Yeah. They took too long making that damn record. <laughs> yeah, they were waiting for it. That's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, too bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, when you get back on the road, what are uh, what are some places that you're really looking forward to going to? Now that you kind of uh, can appreciate them a little bit better, and that you haven't been there in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, well, yeah, I've been saying my my biggest concern is what's going to be open. When this mm-hmm. is done. Uh, we've got there's there's you know a ton of places around the U.S. that we've had a long-standing working relationship with where we've played there multiple times. And I'm worried that they're going to be able to survive this, you know? Yeah. So that's the thing. Like, like, uh, um, well, I'm trying to think what's in New Jersey. <laughs> Nothing really in New Jersey, <laughs> but, but Philadelphia is, uh, that's oh, more, yeah, sorry, Philly. Yeah. yeah it's, I'm it's more closer to Philly. Yeah, the Stone Ponies more North Jersey, definitely like one of the meccas. But uh, sorry, you, you mentioned you mentioned Jersey, but I forgot you said Philadelphia. Yeah, it's usually what people think of is immediately it goes to Stone Pony or the Starlin Ballroom. But definitely, in, right. have you ever had the chance to play at the Trocadero in Philadelphia? 
Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. My stepfather got to play there years ago, but that was like that was a that was a really cool venue, but apparently that that unfortunately had to close because of oh, this. Oh wow. So they closed um That was a, wait, who 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 would have been running the Trocadero now? Uh I I don't that, that's that's the big venue, right? Yeah. It's it's it's, it's bigger. They have that upstairs, yep. upstairs venue as well. It used to be like an old ice house from what I understand, but it had like the very like 1920s grand stage. So it, but it had the upstairs as well. It was all standing room only. And, uh, right. What was that called? Up, uh, above the truck or something like that? Uh, I, I think I forget. It's been so long since I've actually caught a show there. But right. there, there was a specific name to it. You're right. Um, and then, obviously, we had the Trocadero, the Electric Factory, um, First Unitarian Church, stuff like that. Yeah. Played there. Uh, lately, we've been playing Underground Arts. Yep. You know? That's another They've play. always been super nice. And I, have, I always seem to have really great shows there. Yeah, a lot of people speak highly about that venue from from playing. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, the Trocadero. I remember um, uh, it wasn't the nicest neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, it can be a little rough sometimes. <laughs> well, I mean, we were we were warned, and um, we were playing there one time. I'm trying to think if we were headlining. I know it, it seemed like we might have been opening for somebody though. I can't remember. But anyway, we all brought our bags in except for. At the time, one of our tech guys and our bass player, and sure enough, the the uh, window got smashed out of our vehicle, and their <laughs> stuff got stolen. Oh, yeah. But, um, Sounds about right. Our, though. our tech guy found all of his clothes except for one T-shirt that he brought for me. <laughs> <laughs> and our course. bass player basically had to go, you know, the next day go to like you know Target and buy everything. So. Oh, yeah, that's really the last thing you want to do on the road is going out and buying shit for no reason. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Live and learn. Yeah, I guess. Uh, when was that? Was that like back in the 90s? Oh, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Years and years ago. It might be different by now, but that was easily. <laughs> I guess I'm talking about the mid 90s. <laughs> Late 90s, maybe. I don't know. I mean, like when I see dates like, like that, I don't think that that's old yet, though. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but it really is. It really is. <laughs> I mean, it's it like, like yesterday. It really does. I mean, it, it it's insane how, especially right now. I mean, I feel like I can't believe a year has passed. Yeah, right. I know. That's insane to me. Yeah. It it it's it's just it's just weird. I don't know how to explain it, but yeah. I, I mean, mean, in a way, it actually seems like it's been slower because kind of. Uh, I haven't been. You know, as busy, or at least at least gone yeah. touring. You know, it's like when you're, when you're touring, you just get in this frame of mind. It's like a, almost like a time warp or something. Yeah. It, when were you planning on going out on the road? Where you weren't on the road for anything other than you were just preparing for that tour that was supposed to come up in the fall. No, we were going to do. Uh, I would have been in Europe in April Ugh, of last year. You just missed it, man. Uh, and then, and then, yeah, like we were ready to go. And then you know, pretty much got canceled at the last minute. And then um, summer would have been mostly U.S. probably. And yeah. then yeah, it would have been it would have been you know we do I would say probably uh, normally about three months on the road every year. Yeah, something like that. That's a pretty good chunk of change right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is there anywhere specifically in Europe that like you look forward to most going to? Um, 
probably everywhere. No, I don't care. I mean, I mean, it doesn't really matter too much. I mean, I like you know, I like going to Italy because their food is awesome uh, and they got yep. the best coffee. But you know, everything is um, not or or their their organization skills are sometimes lacking. Ah, uh, okay, not sure. <laughs> I mean, but, um, I don't you know between the between the I mean, it's like last time I was in Europe, it's like there's like in France yeah there's there the government's basically regulating how loud you can play and it just sucks really you know every every place there's a volume limit and and uh, um, you know you can't play loud anymore that's not good for you people aren't trusted enough with their ears to wear earplugs you know? really we played a gig in Scandinavia and uh, um, where th- they made us play so quietly that you could hear people at the back of the hall at the bar talking. You know? Wow. I'm afraid of that stuff happening here. <laughs> you know? I hope not. That's like that just why even do the show at that point? Just put on well, a Well that's that's what happens when you let the government get involved in arts. Yeah, unfortunately. Right. I don't want them involved in any of my shit. <laughs> yeah. Any of my musical shit. They can stay out of it. Yeah. For absolutely. I'll do my thing, you try to just take care of our shit. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I didn't even know that that was even a thing going on. All over Europe, pretty much, you know, except for maybe the UK. Wow. And that, but it'll start and probably start here, too. I, I wonder what real, like, I understand, like, noise ordinances and, like, at a certain time it has to get cut off, I guess. But, like, what is, like, how do you, like, argue that to get that to the point where it's actually enacted as, as law? Like, that's insane to me. Right. Why can't you just hand out earplugs? Exactly. Let people decide for themselves rather than deciding that this is bad for you. Especially like for, for music, especially like punk music and hard rock music. It's like you have to portray, you have to project a certain kind of energy to even get that experience because otherwise that's the difference between just listening to it on Spotify and listening to it on YouTube rather than actually go, going physically to a show. Right. It's, right. it's that energy that you give. And obviously right. with the way you play, Obviously, it's very energetic, so that must be like <laughs> that must be like neutering you. <laughs> oh, well, we can play quiet. I've got no problem playing quiet. I can play quiet as quiet as you want and do it all night long. But it's when you're telling me that I have to do it. Gotcha. I have a problem with it. Yeah, I totally agree. That that's ridiculous. Wow. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, if you don't mind, I'd really like to ask you about how you got started in the music industry and your and from young Dale Crover's perspective and uh, <laughs> that story. So, um, well, um, you know, luckily there was a band in my hometown that, that uh, was trying to do original music and do something different than, than all the um, cover bands in my hometown. You know, and they're by the time I joined the Melvins, they were already playing shows in the, uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> metropolis of olympia washington <laughs> and seattle even so it was like oh okay these guys are going someplace so what was it like being involved like in that scene because it's obviously a very historic time with all the bands that came out of that area um it, it, fine i mean you know when i first joined the shows weren't big you know mm-hmm. um 100 people maybe or whatever we'd make 50 bucks and and uh, be able to fill up the, the tank Fifty bucks if we were lucky. You know, if we if it was a good night, we'd have enough money for gas and a Seven Eleven burrito. <laughs> that was the payoff right there. Yeah, 
That's, <laughs> but that, I so, mean, that's a dream for most people because there's a lot of people that, that long for those kind of experiences. And I mean, a lot of people never get to experience something like that. And, that, and that's really cool just hearing like the stories back when you didn't know what the next 20, 30 years were going to look like and how you're still going to be involved with a band that that you were getting 50 bucks for a show. <laughs> like you said, the payoff yeah. was going to 7-Eleven. Right. So, but we were just happy playing shows, you know? Yeah. Being able to play shows, I mean, back then, that was the goal. It's like, wow, you know, cool. Yeah, I, and that's still the goal for a lot of people. I mean, it feel, it feel as I get older, obviously, I've had to sacrifice the original side of stuff. And for me, my trajectory is I've had to do the cover stuff, and it really does feel like selling your soul at a certain point. <laughs> Well, if that was the way, if I, you know, if I didn't have this and that was the way that I could make some money, I would probably do that. Yeah. That, and that's kind of where, where a lot of people, including myself, have kind of just decided it's like, it's important enough to keep it in my life and this is how I can do it. I'll do it. Yeah. Oh, there's plenty of cover bands that are, you know, guys in cover bands that are making more money than me. <laughs> <laughs> it's you insane. Know? I never, Vegas yeah. Bands, those Vegas bands are making bucks or, or some of the tribute bands. It's kind of odd though. Like... <laughs> I don't know if I'd. Re- I mean, money's money at the end of the day, but like. Well, I mean, we played we played uh, uh, the Reading Festival in in the UK. Okay. And uh, the ABBA cover band had a better position on the bill than we did. Stop. <laughs> That's kind of amazing. I'd actually kind of want to see it then. <laughs> Just with that kind of notoriety, they must be pretty good. They like they liked them better than us too, believe it or not. Oh my gosh. This was before the UK really knew much about the Melbourne stuff. So now we go back and we're 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 kinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would assume so. So before you got involved with the Melvins, is it true that you were in like an Iron Maiden cover band? I wish it was that cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, sort of. So <laughs> but not to- really. I was I played in this band when I was 14, 15, before, 16, before joining the Melvins. And um, yeah, it was like a high school cover band. We played high school dances and played the hits of the day. You oh. know, Free Bird and Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> I mean, that's not too bad. I wish that was the music of the day when I was in high school. That would have been oh, really cool. It was worse, though. We had, I remember, I think we played The Kid Is Hot Tonight by Loverboy. Oh. And I mean, even at that point, I was I was the one. I was the, the I was younger than the guys in the band, but I was into like Maiden and Priest and yep. and didn't like any of that stuff. But it was again somebody to play with. There wasn't that many people around there to play with, so I had to sell my soul to play cover, you know, yep. covers that I didn't like. Yep, unfortunately, yeah, because that, that was really, it was a learning experience. They they uh, they hated that I played way too fast. The cover band did. I remember, you know, and I'm I'm sure I probably played. I know I played them way too fast, but uh, once I joined the Melvins, it didn't matter. You know, play, like, faster. play faster. <laughs> play fast now. Play slower. Yeah. So that that's really interesting because I I mean you just poke around the internet. Obviously, the reason why I asked that because Iron Maiden. I love Iron Maiden, so I was obviously just really interested in that. But. uh so yeah. you there were... was another guy that I played with, and I mean, we were sort of a band. We're, we were like the original two-piece, you know, about, you know, way, way before, like, the, the White Stripes. <laughs> <laughs> before the White Stripes made it cool, you guys well, did it. We always wanted a bass player. We were like, oh, we need a bass player. But um, he was an older dude I used to play with, and we we did play Iron Maiden covers and Black Sabbath. 
um, but then also had originals too that, you know, they basically sounded like Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden songs. <laughs> but um, he's the dude that actually taught Buzz how to do the drop B tuning. The oh, Sabbath really? And, um, and we, I, we, had, we actually had songs that were in that drop B tuning in the sky before Melvin's. So, huh. And then that's uh, through, through uh, that guy, through Buzz, that's how Kim Thale learned the drop B tuning from Soundgarden. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all originated from Sabbath, but yeah, you know, they didn't know that. But still that chain of succession of where you drop D tuning. <laughs> it's still yep. pretty Sabbath camp, the, the drop D Sabbath tuning Aberdeen style. Well, since you brought up Buzz, how is Buzz doing? He's doing great. Yeah. I just, I'm, I just saw him yesterday. Good. That's awesome. It's, yeah. It's, it's nice being able to at least check up on people and just, and know that everybody's doing all right during this time. It's, it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, we kind of, we see each other all the time. So even if we're not doing music, we'll do. We'll, we're we're uh, we've had a lot of time to work on our golf game. <laughs> so where do you usually golf at? I'm a huge golfer myself. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a there's a course not too far from here called um, uh, uh, Shoal Canyon that we go to a lot. And um, um, and then yesterday we played at this place that's out in Moore Park, California, that's uh, called uh, um, uh, Rustic Canyon. I've heard of that there. place. What's that? I think I've heard of that place. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I've never seen anything like it. It's like it's supposedly Lynx style golf, mm. though most Lynx courses are on the water. This isn't. Oh, um, the greens are super long. Like you could putt from like a hundred yards in some, yeah. of these, some of these places, and they they didn't really change the landscape a bunch. They used they used the layout that was already there for mm. the for the, the holes, so you know, they didn't move a bunch of dirt around and, and create something that wasn't already there. Yeah. And um, it, 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 I've never seen anything another course like it. Um, it you almost expect some like cowboys to come riding up on you all of a sudden. <laughs> Those are the worst courses though, because you get up to the first tee and you can see the entire course right from your perspective, and you think to yourself, since there's no trees, I'm not going to lose any balls today. And then for me, I end up losing everything in my bag. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could, it, yeah, this one in particular, there, there really isn't a bunch of trees, but yeah, you could, you could easily lose balls. I lost a couple. <laughs> I would give anything to have golf weather here right now. So this is also, yeah, me. <laughs> yeah. Again, sorry, sorry, Greg. <laughs> I'll, I'll let it slide. Uh, have you ever had an opportunity to play at like any place like Torrey Pines or Pebble Beach? Buzz got to play Pebble Beach oh. not too long. And really? because of the pandemic, they had, I mean, it's normally, I think to play there, it costs a lot of money it to does. stay at this hotel. And, but that wasn't happening during the pandemic. And he found something special where he can go and play for relatively cheap. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, still maybe more expensive than normal, but he's like, I'll never get another chance to do this. That's and a once in a lifetime thing. Like he did it twice. Yeah. So that's, that's really cool. Um, I've played places out in, um, my in-laws live out in Palm Desert, and um, yeah, they've been big golfers for forever. And so that's that's kind of how I got into it, just through them. And and so I've played out there. I've played three different Bob Hope Classic courses oh. that are pretty cool, you know. Um, and I you know, just kind of luckily get to play places. Yeah. You know? um, otherwise, I'm fine with like, you know. I mean, the place I normally go to is a public course 
you know, your 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 average average uh, person is out there playing. So how long have you been know? playing for? No. What, around what age did you start? What's that? What age did you start playing golf? Forty. <laughs> For, oh wow, late bloomer, yeah. huh? Yeah, I mean it was. Yeah, I don't know why. Well, you know, my dad used to play, so I remember taking lessons as a kid. But yeah, you know, at that time I was more into baseball and things like that. So so it really didn't, hard, it didn't click for you. I think golf's the, probably the hardest sport there is. I agree. But, but almost any, I mean, there's people that I play with guys that are in their seventies, and I played with guys that are in their eighties before. So. Yeah. I kind of envy those people because they're the ones that now just put it right in the center of the fairway. <laughs> they are. I mean, I've played with some ladies that are like, that were older ladies that, you know, always put it down the middle and they just yeah. were really good. I'm inspired by those kind of people. <laughs> yeah, be, you know? because that's what golf's about. It's uh, it's really just trying to like remove the bravado of like trying to drive a ball 300 yards and punishing it. Yeah. And just understanding the finesse of the game and how key that is. Yeah, I'm just so made me respect my elders. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, if you're on the road, is that something that you kind of look to do in your downtime? That, what's that now, on the road? Yeah, on the road, do you look in your downtime to play golf at some of the local now that, there's, Now there's not, never enough time. Ah, that sucks. Not really. I mean, it's because, it, you know, it, it can take a while to play a round of golf. It's just, there's just not enough time. Yeah, that's true. But <laughs> I think last year we actually got a little uh, chipping that and um, uh, a wedge and uh, you know, some plastic balls so we could, we could uh, practice in the club. <laughs> hey, get your fix somehow. <laughs> if people only knew, you know, uh, how, how lame we were. <laughs> <laughs> you should have videotaped it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's uh, a lot of people learn golf late, late in life. And it's, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting hearing people's perspectives on like, how they approach the game in that aspect of like not being able to say they learned the fundamentals as a kid and then picking yeah. up later and realizing how difficult it really is. It's yeah, good it, stress it's really there. hard. Buzz is really good. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm still learning. Uh, we golf with a bunch of guys that are. Uh, there's a bunch of musician dudes that golf. Yeah. Um, uh, that that uh, you know it's it's it, it feels like it, it gets. Um, uh, a bad rap for you know being an elitist game, but it's not really. At know. a certain level, it becomes that. Just obviously, if you're playing every week at Pebble Beach or something like that, I can see it. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, we're not we're not country club material. Right no, nah. <laughs> <laughs> not many people are. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I've got to play places like that, but I'm much more comfortable, at, you know, at, at you know, with that. Uh, People of my kind. It's almost not fun at a place like that because you feel like that you're. It's like when you go to like a museum, you feel like you're going to break something and everybody's staring at you. (laughs) And then you see like a person like me walk up to the tee, and then they're just staring at me even harder and saying like, "Why am I here?" And it just gets in my head. Well, if you just realize that you know a lot of those people aren't that really much better than you. Yeah. (laughs) So you know. I can see the polarities between that and like how you approach, uh, how somebody would approach being a musician and being on stage if they have like those kind of fears about it. Right. Yeah. So I bet you that's why a lot of musicians probably do like to do something like golf. Well, I mean, for right now, it's it's at least a good way to get out and get some exercise. That is so true. I don't know where I'd be without golf during this stuff. <laughs> yeah. 
I know where I'd be, probably on the road. <laughs> yeah, true. I, actually, no, at, at this time of the year, we're usually not doing too much, mostly sticking to home. Yeah, so you purposely make it this this time of the year is where you uh, kind of take a break. Well, yeah, but then even even then, we don't really take too much of a break. It's not like we take months off or anything like that. Um, in the last few years, what we've been doing right around this time is uh, doing a, a tour of California. Oh, I'm trying to do as many shows as we can do. Yeah, California's like its own little country, so that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of we'll play a lot of tiny places too. Yeah, like last year, last year in mid February, we we were doing that, and we did. I mean, that, we could do quite a few shows. You know, we could do San Diego, Orange County, uh, Los Angeles, um, Santa Barbara, San Luis Obispo, Santa Cruz, <laughs> Sacramento. San Francisco, uh, you could throw in, you know, San Jose or a bunch of others too. And all those crowds are probably so different in terms of how they react too. Um, well, the smaller towns are, are usually, you know, those are always really good. I mean, yeah. I, you know, Melbourne's too good pretty much every place. Yeah, <laughs> at, yeah at this point I'd say so. Yeah. But, oh, like also we played Bakersfield last time and we hadn't played there. Bakersfield's kind of a weird one. And we played this brewery. Oh, that <laughs> must be so cool. It was cool. a great show. It was really fun. Have you ever heard of a, to bring it back to the East coast stuff, have you ever heard of a place called Neshaminy Creek Brewery in Pennsylvania? I don't think so. Cause they have, they have like a rancid just played there probably about a year ago. They get oh, some, yeah. they get some pretty decent bands that come through. I'm surprised the, you get, I think uh, the Melvin should look into it or maybe the Dale Crover band should come through. Sure. Give me an opportunity to come out instead of flying to the West Coast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'd, we'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> so Someday, hopefully. So as, we, uh, as we're hopefully approaching going to be in a post-COVID environment, do you have any big ideas in terms of uh, maybe how you're going to change your approach, whether or not uh, any grand ideas or any – time till when you think you'll be able to get back out there is that still really up in the air for you um yeah i think it's up in the air uh it's probably up in the air for everybody yeah uh, and, you know it, it would be great if it was by the fall yeah uh, i think things will probably start in the fall if, if we if you know if, if everybody gets vaccinated is is, is yeah. uh, you know that's where they say you know it's, it's gonna be months and months till we get everybody vaccinated so Hopefully by the fall, um, I would say realistically by next spring, which seems like a long ways away, and I hope it's really not that far. But I've heard some people say, I know some people are, are going to wait until then to tour. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's plans for Red Cross to go to Europe in, in the fall. Um, that's only because our, the tour that we had booked for last year is, it hasn't been canceled. It's just been postponed. Gotcha. So. Um, working on it for the fall. We'll see what happens, you know. Um, uh, and then, you know, like I said before, I'm worried about the uh, clubs. Yeah. See. You know? And then once we can tour, everybody's going to want to tour. So it's going to be for sure. But um, we'll figure out a way. We'll fit. We've got we've got ideas. We're full of ideas. <laughs> yeah, that I think that's kind of what I've been hearing from a lot of people is they're they're expecting the fall, and I was hearing that probably. Even like last summer when I thought that fall 2021 seemed like a really far out idea, that's what a yeah. lot of people within the industry have been telling us is 
it seems like it's if at best case scenario it would be fall. So if we're lucky, fingers crossed. Yeah. Hope I mean hopefully we can we just we can just get through this and everybody kind of plays on the same team for once and we can just work through yeah, it. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> It'd be nice. I think it's getting better, but remains to be seen, you know. Yeah. So I don't have anything else for you, Dale. I think uh, cool, we've been doing this for about 40-some minutes. Right it's on. A, it's Thursday, Thursday morning for you, Thursday afternoon yep. for me. Um, I would just like to say thank you very much for accommodating your schedule to have, uh, have a conversation with me today. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So we'll be on the lookout for you. Um, once again, your album just came out on January 15th. It can be found everywhere, right? Yes, yes. New Melvin's record coming out in February called Working With God. Working with God. Uh, Melvin's 1983, where I play bass and the original drummer plays drums. Hey, Melvin's. I'm not sure when this is gonna this uh, is gonna air, but uh, uh, what are you doing Valentine's Day? Want to be my date for the Melvin's TV show? I will. <laughs> All right. Well, Dale, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, take it easy, guys. All right, man. Take care. See ya.